0: So in Psalm 57, David writes these words. By the way, the context is he is in a cave because there's an insane, jealous man with all the authority of the kingdom trying to hunt him down and kill him. So think about this context. He's hiding for his life. And he writes these words. He says, My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. I read that and I wonder how confident I would be in that situation maybe some of you are in a situation right now and it just seems bleak and there's no hope you know what the doctors have said the person that you love that you made a covenant in marriage has walked out and it seems like that's never gonna pan out and your heart is broken the finances aren't there my heart is confident in you oh God my heart is confident no wonder I can sing your praises. Think about it. The guy's in a cave running for his life. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up my heart. Take courage. He's speaking to himself, he's talking to himself. That sounds weird. We say, Come on. Wake up my heart. Take heart. Take courage. Wake up, O oh, liar and harp. These were instruments that he would use to praise the Lord. He, maybe he hasn't used them in a while. He's saying, It's time to get back. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. This is a guy running for his life, and he's prophetically saying, I know it seems like I'm in a cave hiding. But I'm going to sing your praises to the nation. The nations are going to hear me sing your praises. He says, "For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds." Yes it does. God, whatever is going on around me, I choose to focus on your faithfulness. You are faithful. You're faithful. And then he says this, be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. In other words, it's not about me. It's not about me. God, you, your name, your reputation, your glory. Oh God, we pray that in this moment. We recognize that our lives are, are a spitting in the wind. We're a vapor. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. God, we are not the star of the show. You are the hero. Yes, You, are. Yes, you, are. you don't exist for our well-being. We exist for your glory. So we, stay, we say in this moment, God, whatever we're going through, whatever cave we're having to hide in, our confidence is in you. Take heart. Our confidence is in you. And you will be exalted. You will get glory if we will fix our eyes on you, if we'll prioritize your presence, if we'll turn from our wicked ways, if we'll pray, if we'll seek you. God, you will, no matter what it seems like, you will get glory out of this situation. You will be exalted. It's not a matter of if, you will. Thank you, God. Father, I pray over my friends here today, people, some that I've never even met before. God, I don't know what they're going through, but you do. And we ask for breakthrough, God. I ask for breakthrough. God, in whatever areas of their life, they're out of alignment with you. They're not in obedience. They're drifting from you and doing their own thing. God, I pray that there would be repentance, that they would turn to you, that they would move towards you. And God, in that place of alignment, God, that there would be blessing. There would be help. There would be strength. There would be renewal. There would be restoration. There would be life. And we rebuke and renounce every lie of Satan that would come against us. We resist the enemy. We turn to you, Jesus. You are our help. You always have been and you always will be. We cling to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're thinking, boy, that was a really long prayer time. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, find someone around you. Would you give them a fist pump, a high five, a hug? Look them in the eyes, say, I'm so glad you're here today.
1: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Journey Church, everybody. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Aaron. I'm the youth pastor here at Journey Church, and uh, like I said, it is awesome to be in the presence of God and to be doing that with you this morning. Hey, if you would, please grab one of the connection cards that's in the back of the seat in front of you. Fill that out. If you've done this before, you know the deal. Put your name on there. No aliases, please. That confuses our system. Thank you and you're welcome. Uh, Also, if you are one of our guests, we would love to get some contact information for you. We have a a gift that we would like to send you, and so uh, some contact information there as you fill those out today and then drop them off to our our team at the back will be wonderful. We've got some announcements here this morning. We have a chess night coming up on May 12th, and uh, so you can check out uh, our website or the Church Center app for more information on that. The 50-plus uh, potluck is going to be on May 17th, and uh, they, they let me come and hang out with them, one of those. It was like, uh, it's like when, when like the elementary school goes and visits the high school. It was like that. And, uh, and so uh, they have a good time. So if you are a 50-plus, uh, I recommend it. It was great food, a lot of fun, and uh, that's going to be on May 17th. And then Memorial Weekend is the 28th. The end of this month, we're going to have one service. that's going to be at 10 a.m., so make sure you've got that marked down on your calendar. If you forget, you're either going to be uh, super early or really late. Uh, so either way, we want you to be here with us. It's going to be a great Sunday. And... Um, so I, wanna, I do want to take just a moment and say thank you to those of you who were part of our spring clean team yesterday, and uh, we had the windows cleaned, the carpets cleaned, we had uh, the outside of the facility power washed, our offices, which is the White House over there, those were also power washed and everything was done, and so we had a, a great team of people that came out on an absolutely gorgeous day yesterday and, uh, and did that, so thank you. And some of you loaned equipment, thank you for that, so we appreciate it, and uh, speaking of thank you, Last week was BGMC Noisy Offering Sunday, right? How many love that? Yeah, all those kids running around. And it's so much fun, I love it. I'm a little biased. My girls are all in that age group and so I love seeing them be a part of that. But I've got the results. The count is in, the numbers are in. We had people tallying and doing all the things that they do with that. And uh, we raised $2,600 last week for BGMC and and as awesome as as dollar signs are they're just dollar signs it doesn't really represent as the the value as it as it relates to people and so the how that transfers over is we have 86 families that are going to be receiving those water filters in the Arabian Peninsula that's 86 homes that are changed yes so thank you. Thank you for your giving in that. Thank you for being obedient in that. Thank you. Like I said, my girls are in this. Thank you for showing them and expressing to them how we can give as adults with celebration, with music, with, with joy that we can give into lives that don't know Jesus. Because if my family, if we were desperate for water, clean water, right, and someone came and was like, hey, I've got a water filter for you. Take care of your family. I'm, one, I'm going to be a, an absolute mess, right? I'm going to be broken. But I'm also going to be wanting to know why, how, where this came from. Why did you do this? And that's where the message of Jesus then comes across. So water, pure water, but then the living water of Jesus. So thank you for what you're doing. It's changing lives across the street and around the world, and, and it, is, it is absolutely fantastic. So there are a number of different ways that you can give. Those are going to be on the screen behind me. And uh, so we want to take just a moment and ask God to, to bless because, yes, we're stepping out in obedience and giving, but God has been doing something here at Journey that has just been multiplying beyond what we actually, like, plan and dream and even fathom. And so we're going to invite him into, into our tithes and our offerings this morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sweet presence this morning. Thank you that we're in your house with your people. God, thank you that uh, we can return to you what is already yours, and and bring it into your storehouse. God, we ask that you would multiply this, not so that journey can be known, but so that your name can be made known, famous, and change lives. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good
0: morning, Journey. Welcome. You guys are looking good. you. you. You are. See, come on, take it in. Yeah, own it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're looking fine. Yeah, you're looking fine. Now turn to your second choice and say, you don't look so bad either. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, trying to give you some opportunities. Want to say good morning and welcome to everybody watching online, or maybe it's good evening to you. I don't know what time you're watching this, but thank you for participating in our church through... Uh, being online with us, we love you, we're praying for you, and uh, today is going to be just a great morning of getting into God's Word. Before we get into that, uh, you know, we we talk about, Pastor Aaron just mentioned serving communities across the street and around the world, and I could not be more proud of our church and how we have been doing that, uh, specifically serving communities around the world, and over the last three and a half years, we're we're trying to think of the last time, uh, you know, in three and a half years, whenever we've asked you to give to something, it has literally been for things around the world, whether it was the meals in Haiti or whether it was uh, building the girls school in Tanzania or what we just recently did, from time to time we have to come and ask you uh, to to just consider helping what we're doing right here in, uh, you know, in Acts chapter 1-8, we would call it our Jerusalem. You know, that this is our place where we live. And so, you know, for, for, for 16 years, 17 years, we've had people just be so generous. And that's why we're sitting in the room that we're sitting in. And we have the space that we have for, for us today, but also for our kids over in the student center. And we have all this ample space in here, but where we've run out of space. And this isn't news for you, especially if you come to the second service every week. Where we've run out of space, obviously, is in the parking lot. Again, last week we had a situation, a single mom who came a little bit late and she drove in and every single space was full and we even had uh, cars parked in the grass even though it was raining. Remember last week it was raining too? I think it's a Sunday thing. Uh, we get a little rain every Sunday morning and, and, uh, and so that, what, what we want is not, it's not about numbers, it's not about, oh, we, want, we have a huge ego and we want to see the room full. We want people to be able to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's like, all right, God's given us this space, but. In practicality, we need more room in our parking lot. That's not news, we've been talking about that for a while. Uh, We've had a team that's been meeting with different um, uh, groups to do this, and we got four different bids, and we've accepted a bid from M&B, and we're hoping to get started on that. Uh, We'll be adding 50 spaces to our existing parking lot, and then on top of that, we're gonna pave over the, the parking area over by the offices and stripe that, and that'll give us extra parking, because when there's no stripes, people park wherever they feel like parking, right? and so that'll help us out and so so here here's the 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 you want to know the dollar sign for what this is going to cost it's going to cost 94,000 dollars $650, $94,650. And so, um, and here's the cool news, is already we've received $3,800 from people who have just been giving already without us formally saying how much it was going to cost or anything, they just said, we know it's a problem, we're going to give toward that. So, so here's what I want to ask of you, and don't worry, don't start sweating, you know, hold on to your wallet. Here's what I would ask of you, there's, there's three different things. First of all, if you're part of Journey Church, this is your home church, and whether it's, you know it's just been over the last couple of weeks or maybe you've been coming here the last couple of years but you're saying this, this is my home church I, I, I belong to this place I, I would just ask you to to start giving regularly to Journey and uh, so so what does that mean uh, whatever it means for you would you just get it maybe you're not giving it all you come every Sunday but you don't really put anything in would you just start regularly giving to Journey Church And you know, a great way to do that is through our app or online. You can even set up recurring giving. And and you can just just put your feet in the water a little bit in that way. Second group would be, some of you give to Journey. Journey. But you don't fully tithe, and so maybe you put in 20 or you put in a little bit here or there, and and, and we thank you for that and we appreciate that. But here's, here's what we would call you to is to a biblical principle, biblical spiritual discipline of tithing. Tithing is giving the first tenth of what God gives me, giving it back to him because it's all his anyhow. It's returning to him what belongs to him. And, and this isn't something, I'm not asking you to do something that I don't do. In fact, Carrie and I both were, were taught by our parents to do this before we even got married. And so we, while we were single people, we were doing this. And then when we got married, we've been doing this. And we've passed it on to our kids. Um, my son pushes carts at Walmarts. At Walmart, it makes way more money than I would have ever dreamed you'd make doing that. And, and my daughter's now working at the Turnpike Plaza, and she's banking 15 bucks an hour. Are you serious? Like, that's crazy. And so as a sophomore in high school, and so, so one of the first things we sat down with them, we said, this is, this is non-negotiable. While you're living under our roof, you're going to tithe because here's the deal. I want you to be blessed. And you know, yeah, well, man, 10% is gone. Well, I'd rather live with a blessing on the 90% than to have all 100% and just living, however, and, and not having that blessing, right? And so my second challenge would be, if, if you're coming, maybe you're giving, and man, thank you for that, would you, would you take the challenge of tithing? It's the only, Malachi talks about this is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me in this. See, see, see what I'll do in this. And so I would challenge you, mark on your calendar 90 days from now, just say, Siri, remind me in 90 days to see how my tithing is going, and just try it and see how it goes, and if in 90 days, you don't feel like God's blessing is on you, and I don't mean that there's like weird checks coming to you in the mail, and I mean, maybe it's just that he makes you smarter, so your money goes further, I don't know, like, he does that kind of stuff, right? Like, if in 90 days, you started tithing, and in 90 days, you just go, I don't sense the blessing of God, man, let us know, I haven't talked to the board about this, so I might not be here next week, um, but uh, uh let us know, and we'll refund your money. And you say, Ken, that's gimmicky. No, we, I want to do whatever I can to help jumpstart your faith. Because tithing isn't, it's not a money thing. Tithing is a faith thing. It's a trust thing. Do I trust God in this, right? And so that, that, would, be, that would be a second show. If Maybe you're here and you, you haven't been tithing, you've been giving. Listen, if everybody who calls Journey Church or Home Church just started tithing, man, the parking lot would be taken care of, the mortgage would be taken care of. We'd be having meetings trying to figure out how to spend and steward the resources to serving communities across the street and around the world for the glory of God, right? Okay. Third group would be maybe you're here and you're tithing and you say, Ken, God has blessed me and I have the resources. I would love to give a gift even above the tithe. We would just encourage you in the next month Sometime in the month of May Would, would you just bring it, and just mark on your offering envelope Or we already have a category online Where you can put parking lot And, and just give to that And again, I'm not asking you to do something That I'm not going to do Carrie and I have been talking about it And we're going to do it at least $1,000 And that's just our way Man, we believe in this place, obviously No duh, right? We believe in this place So we're going to put our money where our mouth is And I would just challenge you Again, if God has blessed you There's no manipulation I don't want you to feel guilted into this And in the month of May we can get this taken care of and uh, we can get M&B out here and start the excavation and get this thing going and so wouldn't it be great to have those parking spaces and some of you who have been parking over at the drive-through carryout are like that would be awesome that would be really convenient so just want to challenge you in that and uh, just turn to the person next to you and say it's okay it's okay you can start breathing again it's okay Alright, hey, we're going to get into God's Word together. We've been in a series called Guardrails, and I'm not going to, I don't honestly have time to do the whole like, introduction and take us back, so if you haven't been here for the series, I really encourage you to get online and to watch and, and to get an idea. When we talk about guardrails and rumble strips and white lines and yellow lines, these are all, these are all ways of describing wisdom. That in our actual lives, God wants us to intentionally predetermine standards for our lives that aren't necessarily sin, but areas where we say, I'm not going there. And where people would look at you and say, "Well, why, why are you doing that? You you think you're a your goodie, You you think you're too good for us. You you don't like being..." Right? No, no. I I am predetermining some standards that I want for my life to keep me from going to places. Can we? Do we have that image that has all four of those? I didn't. I didn't even know what we have back there. Wait, You know. I want to stay in the path of wisdom, and so I'm going to intentionally construct some areas that where I know, ooh, rumble, 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 like, okay, warning, I need to pay attention to this, to keep me from damaging my vehicle, and certainly to keep me from the ravine where you know, it may, it may not be an issue of going to the emergency room, it may be an issue of going to the morgue, right? And I'm not just talking about physical death, I'm talking about death, death in relationships, death in our finances, all these areas, right? Probably the area where we uh, most need guardrails and we most resist guardrails is when it comes to physical and sexual intimacy. This is the area in culture, and man, I've been a pastor now for, for a long time, the area where we most need some guardrails, we need some rumble strips, is when it comes to our sexual intimacy. See, there are a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's possible to recover from bad financial decisions. It's possible to recover from, you know, neglecting your physical health. It's possible to recover from even a marriage maybe you haven't been communicating like you need to it's possible to recover from those areas but I'm telling you when it comes to sexuality sexual sin is unlike any other and not because it's more off- offensive to God but because of the damage that it does to us see sexual sin impacts our memories and our reputation it leads to guilt All kinds of science is telling us over the last 10 years that it can, in the case of pornography, even lead to an inability to experience intimacy. 20-year-old guys who, when they're able to be physically, sexually intimate with someone, can't because they're so addicted to pornography. Don't take my word for it. Well, be careful what you Google. Um, That could go awry, right? Sexual sin goes underground only to resurface later and often at the most inopportune moments It affects you mentally and emotionally and spiritually and relationally. So when we talk about sexual sin What in the world are we talking about because let's be clear sex sex is beautiful Sex is not dirty and ugly. It's not something to be avoided. It's not something that we don't talk about God created sex God didn't look down in the Garden of Eden one day and go what What? Adam and Eve come on He's like, let's get it on, right? Like, he created it. He created it. So what are God's parameters? Because if God created it, don't you think we should be paying attention to what he says about how it should be expressed? And listen, this is going to be unpopular. Some of you are going to vehemently disagree with this. That's all right. I would ask you not to tune me out. I would ask you to lean forward, and if nothing else, lean forward and listen in total disagreement just so you can know my argument, know what I'm saying, so that you'd be better at disagreeing with me and people like me, right? So I'm just, I know culture says, well, I'm not going to listen. Just listen for a little bit. Just see what God's word has to say because I'm telling you, God's word is perfect, God is not a cosmic killjoy trying to ruin your fun. God knows what is best for you. He knows that his path is a path of wisdom. His path is a place. Yes, there's, there's, there's speed bumps, and yes, there's orange barrels, and yes, there's roadkill from time to time. I'm not saying that the way of wisdom is always going to be perfect. But his way leads to life. So what are God's parameters? I know it's not popular, but the Bible is clear that sex is to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife, one man and one woman. Sex is meant to heighten the level of intimacy that a husband and wife enjoys with each other. It is valuable, and it is special, and it is not to be trivialized. And so you say, well, Ken, thank you for your opinion. What does the Bible have to say? Well, let's look. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I really want you to look this up for yourself, whether you're, you're on your phone or a tablet or maybe you have a physical Bible. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. It's after the Gospels. It's after Acts and Romans. Right after Acts and Romans, you get to 1 and 2 Corinthians. If you go to the other 1 and 2 in the New Testament, you've gone too far. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul is writing this, and he's writing to a group of Jesus followers. They don't, they don't have a building. The buildings would come 100 years later. He's writing about 20, 25 years after Jesus' death and resurrection to a group of Jesus followers in a city called Corinth. And Corinth would be in modern-day Greece. And one of the highlights are, I, I don't I mean not from our perspective spiritually but one of the the things about Corinth that you would notice and even today if you go to the city of Corinth there in Greece and and look at the archaeology is they would have these huge temples to to what they would call gods like Aphrodite and um, Athena and a number of others and many of these gods in particular those two were gods where there was a where sexuality was part of their worship there were literally I've I've mentioned this uh, recently there was literally prostitutes that would be at the temple. And so part of your temple worship, can you imagine, was to have a sexual experience, and then you would go back home. Honey, how was church today? It was really good. <laughs> right? that was the reality, and that for hundreds of years, that was just normal. There wasn't, there was no Judeo-Christian values. There was nobody saying, hey, maybe we should rethink this. This this was normal. No one was turning an eye to it. No one was saying, ah, no one was protesting it. No one was boycotting. This was culture. This was the way it was, and so Paul comes along, and in his missionary journeys, he arrives in Corinth, and he starts telling them that there is a God who loves them, a God who created them, a God who wants relationship with them, but that relationship has been broken because of sin and that God so loves us he so loves humanity that he sent his one and only son Jesus and Jesus came to this earth and he lived like one of us he was a stranger one of us a slob like one of us trying to make his way through the purposes of God and Jesus Jesus in his living he ultimately expressed the love of God in his death That at the cross, that he took all of our sin, the curse of our sin, the penalty and punishment of our sin, he took all of that upon himself, and when he died, he took all of that so that I can have a restored relationship with God. So Jesus is dead on the third day. He's resurrected from the grave, proving his authority and his power, that he has the authority and power that we need in our lives to get through the things that we're going through, right? Right? And so Paul is now a missionary, and he's sharing this message. They never heard this message before; it's brand new. Nobody there knew who Jesus was. He starts expressing this, and, and 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 through multiple conversations and multiple times of meeting with these people, people start to give their lives to Jesus and become followers of Jesus. And Paul's man, he's celebrating that, and that's so awesome. But here's the thing that. They're following Jesus as best as they can, but they still have the issues from the culture that they lived in. I mean, literally right before this, Paul has to talk to them about a guy in their assembly in their community of Jesus followers who was having sex with his stepmom, and Paul's like, whoa, come on, no, we don't, we don't live like the world. You should read your Bible. There's some crazy whack stuff in your Bible, right? Some of you are like, that was in the Bible? Yeah, Right? And so, so Paul's writing about that, and he, he's trying to say, hey, in your, in your journey of following Jesus, God, God, God wants you to be in alignment with him and his purposes, which requires obedience to his ways. And so 1 Corinthians 6, I talked way long enough so you could get there. Verse 18 starts out with these four words, run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. Would you say those four words with me? Run from sexual sin. You notice he doesn't say, walk from sexual sin. He doesn't say, linger away. He says, book it. Run. Run. Get out of there. Get out of that room. Get out of that place. Turn it off. Get rid of that app. Run from sexual sin. Why? Why, Paul? Why are you so insistent? Because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Listen, we know that intuitively, but we we go, well, aren't all sins the same? Yes, in the the eyes of God, all sins are the same. There's no sin greater than other sins, okay? There's no echelon of sins. But listen, we all know that some sins affect us differently and have different effects, right? So if I steal $100,000 from the church... There's going to be some angry people. Okay, you would be angry rightfully. We'd be calling law enforcement. I'd be going to jail, right? Okay, God forbid. If I raped a young woman, which one would you be angrier about? The second, right? Why? Because all sins aren't the same. They are the same in the eyes of God, but there's different consequences for sin, right? That's why, that's why rape is so, hein- I mean, we, I mean, uh sexual trafficking, uh, right? I mean, we. It, man, steal, steal some gum from the grocery store, but don't do that, right? Okay, don't misquote me. Someone's going to take that line. That pastor in Fremont says you should steal... No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. He says, run. Run from it. We're going to continue reading, so don't close your Bible yet. He says, run. And here's the thing. Listen, every wife in this room hopes that her husband will run from sexual temptation. Every husband in this room hopes his wife, when she is sexually tempted at work, will run from sexual temptation, right? Every engaged person in this room, you hope that your fiance will run from sexual sin. We hope others will do it. We just aren't so good at it ourselves. When it comes to ourselves, we flirt with sexual temptation. We we give it a second look and a third look. We excuse it. We say, well, at least I'm not as bad as. We compare ourselves with other people. We don't run from it. We flirt with it. And Paul says, no, 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 follower of Jesus. And by the way, this is for followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus in this room, you can sit back and relax, and you get to hear what this is supposed to be like. For But this isn't on you. This is for people who have received the grace of God and have said, "I want to live according to your ways. I want you, Jesus, to be the master and leader of my life. Wherever you ask me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do whatever you want me to say, I'll say, I'm going to follow you. If you've if you prayed that kind of prayer, that's on us. That's not on the world. He goes on, he says, verse 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? See, God doesn't live in the room that you walked into this morning. Do you know that? God isn't like, oh, I've been waiting for you all week long. <laughs> finally. Finally some people to hang out with. Isn't, isn't it interesting when you go to church, and especially for some of you who grew up going to church, it's not as much today, but when you, when you were growing up and you were going to church, wasn't it true that when you, when you walked into the sanctuary, like you, you acted a little differently when you walked into the sanctuary? You, you talked a little bit different. I, had this old lady who would always yell, there's no running in the house of the Lord. When we were kids, right? You're we like, oh, didn't know God I had a problem with people run. He just said run. <laughs> I got a verse. Right? Like, like you, you talked a little different. You didn't use the same language in, in the sanctuary as you do, right? Why 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 it, well because this is a sanctuary of God, huh? Right? No, no, no. You, follower of Jesus, you are the sanctuary of God. This is just a room. This is drywall and steel and some carpet squares. This is just a room. You are the sanctuary of God. You are the house of God. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? I say this all the time, and people just kind of roll their eyes. This is one of the greatest miracles of all, that the Holy Spirit, who's just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He dwells in you. He was given to you by God. So he goes on and he says, at the end of verse 19, he says, you do not belong to yourself. I I think this right here, you do not belong to yourself. In fact, let's say these words with me. You do not belong to yourself. Instinctively, some of you push back from that. In fact, I think one of the lies of culture in this very moment is the lie, I belong to me. I belong to me, and it's in all kinds of different areas. And it's growing, and it's expanding. I belong to me. I exist for me. Listen, one of the issues we have, one of the many issues that we have in the United States of America, it's one of the great values, it's one of the things I appreciate, but man, the enemy has distorted it and twisted it, is this idea of individualism and individual freedom here's the thing. This thing has evolved because if you look at our founding fathers, freedom wasn't at all about the individual. John Adams has a lot to write about this. And what we, we now live in a culture where if it, whatever brings me comfort, whatever makes me happy, I, I deserve to be, I deserve to do it Whatever makes me happy, I belong to me. Nobody else can tell me how to live my life. I belong to me. Nobody else has a right to tell me, blah, blah, blah. I hear it all the time. I belong to me. Listen, I belong to me means I am my own God. I belong to me. Paul says, no, 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 no. No, you do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to yourself. You say, well, Ken, I, I don't know if I want to be a part of. The, I mean, this sounds heavy-handed. God sounds a little bit abusive and controlling. Like, what, what is the issue here? Well, he goes on. He gives us the answer. He says, for God bought you with a high price. This reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, where Peter, not Paul, Peter writes these words. He says, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or or guilt or whatever it is, blemish or defect. He said, listen, you weren't redeemed from money. Money didn't bring you back. It was the precious blood of Jesus. God bought you with a high price is what Paul says. He bought you with a high price. That's why Paul later on, or or in Romans chapter 12, Paul would say this, he would say, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, offer your, what? Yourself or your bodies as living sacrifices. In view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for you in sending Jesus to the cross, in view of God's mercies, you willingly, not compulsive, not because someone forced you, you willingly offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or this is your reasonable act of worship. We don't talk about this enough, but when I prayed the prayer, yeah, the prayer is great. The prayer in that moment, I'm justified in that moment I received the Holy Spirit. In that moment, I'm adopted into God's family. But now begins the journey of saying, God, I belong to you. As someone asked me, you know, if I go to your church, are you going to try to change me? I said, oh, yes. Absolutely, that's what this is all about. Every day I'm praying, God, change me. Because I'm greedy, and I'm selfish, and I'm jealous, and I compare myself, and I get angry, and I'm lust, and I'm lazy, and God, change me. I want to be in alignment with you. I want your fruit. I want love and joy and peace. I want all those things to be attributes of my life. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must. I love the language. I don't love the language of this, but it's, it's... he goes, so you must, not you might, or think about this. He says, follower of Jesus, you must honor God with what? He's about your physical body. With your physical body, you must honor God. And remember, all of this is in the context of sexuality. Honor God with your body. When it's dishonoring to God, don't do it with your body. When it's dishonoring to God, don't take your body there. When it's dishonoring to God, don't look at it, don't think about it. Decide every morning, God, my body belongs to you. I want to live today in such a way that everything I do with this body honors you. And you know, in order to do that, you are going to need to predetermine what you will do and what you won't do in order to honor God with your body. And you need to predetermine it ahead of time because our willpower wilts. So I'll give you an example. As there's, in this basket over here, there's two packs of M&Ms that have been calling my name all morning. When I first came in, I had high resolve. After preaching two sermons, I don't know. And all kinds of science tells us this. That's why you have great plans and ambitions in the, in the, in the morning, and then you get home from work, and it's like, I can't even keep my eyes open. You've been good health-wise all day, and then by evening, you're eating like this whole spread of nachos. Why? Because willpower wills. Listen, in the heat of the moment, that is not the time to start constructing rumble strips and guardrails for your life. You need to predetermine ahead of time what are the things that I will do and what are the things that I won't do in my physical, sexual relationships. So here are some guardrails for married people. We're going to run through these. Number one, don't eat alone with members of the opposite sex. Do not eat alone with members of the opposite sex. Can I just tell you, in 23 years of ministry, most affairs begin with a simple meal. Can that's extreme. That's what guardrails are. We put guardrails and rumble strips in the safety zone so that we don't find ourselves in the danger zone. Now listen, sometimes you, ha- sometimes you have to. There's work situations, there's other situations where you, this, you know it just isn't possible to, to... So here's the thing. I make sure Carrie knows, not just in meals, but anytime I'm meeting with a woman, I make sure she knows it. She has access to my full calendar. And here's a rumble strip. If there's ever a moment where I don't want her to know, whoo, you better be careful. That's a rumble strip. You're about to hit something. You're about to do some damage. So if there's something inside of you that's like, oh, I don't think, I don't know if she would understand. She might misconstrue that. Ooh, Rumble's trip. Run. Number two, don't talk to a member of the opposite sex about your marriage difficulties. Do not talk to a member of the opposite sex about your marriage difficulties. But he is such a great listener. My husband, he doesn't listen to me. He's such a jerk, but when I go to work, this, this young man, you should see his eyes and how he just, he just looks at me and he listens to me. Run, run. And if a member of the opposite sex tries to tell you all about how bad their spouse is, refuse to listen. You can get them help without becoming their help. Refuse to listen. But he needs me. No, he needs help. He doesn't need you. You don't have to be a part of it. Don't you care? Not that much. Nope. <laughs> Not, I care. You want to know what my priorities in life are? My relationship with Christ. Second, my relationship with my wife. When I die, because I'm going to die before she is. I've already made that decision. <laughs> she, she is going to be the last person in my casket. I don't, why, why do I care about some knucklehead And what they think And their opinion of me I care more about my wife And my marriage to her Because we're going to be married If Jesus tarries We're going to be married a long time <laughs> We're going to be married a long time Number three Did you go, woo <laughs> What was that movie, Notebook? <laughs> Number three Set up definitive internet guardrails Number three, set up definitive internet guardrails. I don't need to tell you guys about this. We talk about this. But number one, porn is off limits. If you need help, and so many of you do statistically, many of you in this room do, let's stop hiding it. Let's stop being shameful about it. And not by hiding it, I don't mean we're going to have a microphone up here and everyone's going to come up. I'm just saying appropriate ways with godly people, let's confess this and let's get free from this. Porn is off limits. If you need help, we have a resource card as you're leaving on the table that had your notes. Grab one of those cards and don't judge someone who grabs it. If you see Pastor Aaron grabbing one of those porn resource cards, <laughs> don't be one. Oh, oh, I saw Pastor Aaron grab. He's probably getting it for one of your sons or daughters. Can I just say, when it comes to internet, I know I'm old school, so I'm saying internet. But can we ju- can we just say this clearly? Online dating apps are off limits for married people. <laughs> <laughs> now, this should be obvious, but it's not. If you are married, you have no business having a dating app on your phone. Don't get out your phone right now. It'll feel r- really weird. Okay, so <laughs> just delete. say ken ken why are you even saying that because a large percentage of married people are on dating apps here here's another one social media friendships more and more affairs are happening because a high school boyfriend requests to be your friend on facebook or instagram or whatever it is and because we don't have the kahunas to say sorry Yeah, we were friends in high school, but I'm 46 years it's been a long time. I don't need to be friends with you anymore. I'm happily married. You say, Ken, you're 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 being a little this is what guardrails are, this is what rumble strips are. I do the things that nobody else does because I care about things that actually matter. You say, Well what what will they think? I don't care what they will think. I'm happily married. By the way, in our church, Carrie and I have had to deal with not just one, several couples in, 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 a, in a fair, and it started on social media. It started with a friend request. Then there was private messages, and then, oh, you're so funny, and oh, we should meet up, and oh, I'm gonna be in the area. Let's go to dinner together, and we go to dinner together, and then we do that a few more times, and oh, we should, I got a hotel over here. You wanna join? And listen, you wreck your marriage. The rumble strip is... That was a nice chapter of your life. You're in a different chapter. Should we keep going? (laughs) Number four, do not allow yourself to rehearse the negative qualities of your spouse in your mind. Now, this is a tough guardrail because nobody else sees it. Nobody else knows it. But can I tell you, this ruins so many people. We become obsessed with the negative qualities of our spouse. Can I just tell you, how many of you in this room are married? Raise your hand. Help me out. actually do this. Are you married? Raise your hand. This is an opportunity for all the single people to see who is not raising their hands right now. She's trying to help you out. Okay. If keep your hands up. If you're married, okay. Now, I want you to keep your hand up. Only lower your hand. Here, keep your hand up if your spouse has done something annoying. Your spouse has never done anything annoying? No, i am never one. Okay. All right, lower your hands. Listen. Carrie will be the first to say, I do things multiple times a day that annoy the crap out of her, okay? There there are issues that we have in communication. We fight. We don't see eye to eye on things. Listen, that's part of marriage. So don't believe the hype of Hollywood or whatever it is or don't believe, you know, the, the, the Photoshopped realities that you see on social media of other people. Part of being in partnership with someone, Carrie is different from me. I don't want to marry a clone of me. I want to marry someone who's different because she sees things that I don't see. And so part of that being married to someone who's different than me is that we're 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 going there's there's going to be conflict from time to time. That's part of the process. And so but here's the problem, the problem is when I obsess and I just begin to put on auto replay and I just, all I think about when it comes to Carrie is, man, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe she told our, our, our child that they could do that when I was in disagreement. I blah, 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 blah. And it's just on auto repeat, right? Blah, 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 blah. Listen, here's the deal. We, we move in the direction of our focus, right? So instead, how about I choose to focus on some things that I love about my wife and you for your wife or for your husband, What are the qualities that you love about them? You say, Ken, I can't think of any. And we laugh and we chuckle at that, but there are people in this room who are in loveless marriages, you're basically roommates, and you can't think, I don't even know why we're married. Can you think of one one characteristic, one quality about your spouse? And just write that down, literally, the science will tell you, write it down, Put it maybe on a little piece of paper or an index card and just carry that around with you and just start rehearsing. Even if it's just one quality, just start rehearsing that positive quality about your spouse. Go a little bit further. Write down three. Three qualities. Man, I'm, I'm so glad I'm married to, to my wife, to my husband because of blah, blah, blah. Okay, I gotta I got keep going. Number five, when you feel your heart or your desire drifting toward a specific person, tell someone. Get help. Listen, for all of us in this room, there will be moments where we feel our heart drifting. For the married people in this room, that's what these are for, the married people in this room, you're gonna feel from time to time your heart drifting towards someone of the opposite sex. That's not sin, but it is a rumble strip. And we need to be able to find someone that we can trust who is godly to say, can you pray for me, can you help me? This is a rumble strip, right? Okay. Uh, Guardrails for single people. Number one, we love you. (laughs) That's not number one, but I just want to say this. I think churches, I see this all the time. I hear people talk about this. Man, church, they just affirm all the married people and they make all the single people feel second class. I don't want you for a moment to think that you're second class. You're a valuable part of our church. We love you. The people that I most esteem and admire in the world are single, Jesus Jesus, single. The Apostle Paul, who wrote more of the New Testament than any other person, single. In fact, the Apostle Paul makes an argument at one point in one of his writings where he says, if you're single, man, stay single. (laughs) You hear a bunch of married people laughing at that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right? So I just want, for, for the single people, we love you. You are not second class. You're valuable. So here, here are the guardrails for single people. First of all, just apply the married people's guidelines in your relationships with married people. When, if you're single and you're interacting with a married person, in other words, at work, if a married person of the opposite sex starts talking about their marriage, you just say, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't need to get myself involved in this. If you're single, you don't need to go to dinner with a married person of the opposite sex. This is not a good idea. Well, I don't have any intentions. You don't know what their intentions are, just don't do it. Okay. Number two, just look at me for a moment. No sleepovers. Sleepovers are for eight-year-olds. I I, I know, I listen. I get that it seems like God is trying to confine and restrain and he's trying to kill your joy and kill your satisfaction. He's trying to kill all of your options for joy. God knows that sexual relationships outside of marriage are damaging to you. And I know that culture doesn't like to to, to hear this and and so many of you in this room, you just go, ah, that's, ah, I wish you, but here's the thing. Every time you have sex with somebody, you leave a part of your soul with them. It becomes, and I'm not the only one saying this, and it's not just spiritual and Christian people who are saying this. Every sexual interaction that I have makes it more difficult for me to experience true intimacy with someone down the road. And what God wants for you is intimacy with Him and knowing Him. He wants intimacy with you and another person. He wants you to experience the joy of living life with each other. Now here's, here's the part where the enemy is already, before I even say this, the enemy is jumping all over some of your cases. Well, <laughs> already blew that one. Got a mess when it comes to that. Listen, you can't do anything about yesterday. So it just doesn't, it just isn't even helpful to dwell on that. That's condemnation. Condemnation would say, well, you can't live for Christ, and God doesn't love you, and you might as well not even try, and you might as well give up. That's condemnation. Conviction is your Heavenly Father saying, hey, I love you. I sent my Holy Spirit. He's in you. Come on, we can do this. I've got power for you, but you got to put, you've you got to be a part of this. You've got to put some guardrails in place. You've got to build some rumble strips in your life. So you don't go to the place of damage, you don't go to the place of death. So here's what I would just ask you, here's your homework. Sit down, single, married, whichever place you're at, and just ask the question, what are my rumble strips? Maybe you're single and you're in a dating relationship, you need to determine what do the rumble strips need to be. Predetermine it before you get to the place where your willpower is wilted. What are going to be? What are the rumble strips going to be? And communicate. If you're in a dating relationship, communicate that with each other. And if if, and if she goes, oh, I don't want any of those rumble strips, it might be a sign that you need to get out of the relationship. What are the guardrails going to be? If you're married, listen. This isn't just for the singles in the room. Married people, hey, there's way more married sin going on than, than we realize when it comes to sex. Married people, you need to sit down and say, what are our guardrails? What are our rumble strips? Before we get to the place of sin and devastation and destruction, where do we need to pay attention? I'm way over. Would you stand to your feet? All right. Online service is probably already timed out. Hopefully you're still with us. We love you. We're praying for you before it goes away. Father, I thank you that you love us and you love us so much that you call us to establish guardrails and rumble strips when it comes to physical and sexual intimacy. So give us the wisdom to read your word, to follow and obey your word. God, give us wisdom when it comes to the areas that maybe are a little nebulous or aren't as clear. Show us where those rumble strips need to be. And God, if we've we've blown it, I pray that you would give us the, the unction and the power to talk to somebody, to talk to a trusted Christian mature friend, to get the help that we need so that we can live for you, for your name, for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, next week, we're going to be talking about guardrails for your mouth. Some of you, as soon as I say that, know some people you need to invite. It's going to be Mother's Day. Your mama wants you to have some guardrails for your mouth. Join us next week.